Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Journey Coaching. We're super passionate about all things coaching and want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training over a thousand life coaches. Dive deep into a more meaningful career, find freedom, and make an impact on the world around you. Hey guys, this is a super important episode, especially if you want to build any kind of healthy relationship with any human. Today, we're going to talk about nonviolent communication. Noel. Hello, that was a really Hello. strong intro. It's a little, um, I, w- I don't think it's, a, it's very dramatic. I was going to say aggressive. It wasn't aggressive, but it was very dramatic. Nonviolent communication uh, is, is an important topic. I think it, it's appropriately dramatic. Um, and one of the reasons for that is, is it's, a, it's a really radical way of thinking about communication. Yeah, and I think when you say it's nonviolent communication, um, what's interesting about this is it kind of implies that communication can be violent. And that feels very, um, it feels very strange. The word violent is so, it's, it's so, uh, I mean, speaking of dramatic, it's very dramatic. Yes. It, and it grabs you. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's get into the setup for it and, and talk about how that works and you know why we're having this conversation in the first place. And like so many of our topics, it has to do with our evolutionary traits, our evolutionary tendencies, and the way that we have developed as a human species, um, according to things like the availability heuristic. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. that term? No. What is that? The availability heuristic is a phenomenon that's actually grounded in bias. So the way it works is our brains um, take in like hundreds of billions of information at any given time. Mm. And that's every second. So I'll say that again. Our brain takes in hundreds of billions of bits of information every second. But we can only bring 44 pieces of information to our conscious brain at any given time in order to make sense of the world around us. And so, so where, where, where is all the other stuff going into our subconscious? It, it goes into our subconscious um, or it just kind of, you know, flies by, doesn't land, it, it doesn't right. stick. And so our brains pick and choose what information to bring to the fore based on things that we've seen, heard, learned previously, that Mm -hmm. it blocks out old information or it blocks out new information and brings in, um, you know, old information. And that's very much to our detriment. So, you know, okay, this is, this is the way our brains work. Let's set up the playing field for communication. When we experience uh, pleasure or the fact that we're right, there's a a big part of our brain that lights up. Um, And when we experience information that, uh, or the assumption that we might be wrong or information that's outside of that which we already know, our pain centers light up. So yeah. if we think we're right, we feel pleasure. If we think we're wrong, we feel pain. And that is the setup for almost every single human interaction that involves communication. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I love how simple that is because when I think I'm wrong, you know, the shield goes up. I feel my body tense. Um, and that's the response from the pain, right? The uh, defense, protection, um, all of that. It is. And it's yeah. it's evolutionary. It's not our fault. It's the way that our bodies have been hardwired. But the outcome is that we miss the opportunity to learn new things, to understand things and people in different ways. And it kind of keeps us in this state of constant defense. Yeah, this is where the violent piece comes in. When you yeah. um, are hurt, the, uh, you know, the instinct to protect yourself you know, whether it's uh, verbally uh, violent, I mean, vi the word violent is subjective. And I think it, it manifests differently for, for, for uh, uh, everyone. But um, that's the shield. That's the, you know, protecting yourself that comes up. Yeah, right? it does. So, so what do you think would happen if today, just for an experiment, you started going through your day, and no matter who it was, every time someone said something to you, you just shouted at them, "You're wrong." Yeah, this is basically New York. New York, <laughs> right? I mean, but how do you think your day would go? Like, it would be exhausting. It would be exhausting. It wouldn't yeah. go well. Other people would just yeah. get angry at you. There would be no hearing. It, you know, it would it, it would it would be just a, a total mess. And yeah. these phenomenons um, are the reason behind uh, communication methodologies like nonviolent communication or NVC. The fact that humans are hired hardwired this way has led us to, as a species, try to figure it out. Right, right. So this was developed by Marshall Rosenberg. He passed away in 2003. And as I've had um, the privilege of being on this planet for my 40 years, he's probably one of the humans that I hold in highest esteem. Mm. And, and can I ask you, why is that? What is it about Marshall Rosenberg that really lands for you? I've never seen pure empathy expressed and embodied in a single human the way he showed up on this planet mm. oh wow i gotta youtube uh, i gotta watch some of his videos or read some of his work they're changing his videos are changing the way that he sees the world um is changing and he began um his center for nonviolent communication in san francisco oakland area and the tenants were so profound that towards the end of his career, he ended up working on um, international peace treaties, especially in the Middle East, to help mm -hmm. factions that have been warring with each other for millennia uh, begin to seek to understand each other, hear each other, and find common humanity. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, those are yeah. big those are big things. They are. And and the the steps to get there are very elegant and simple, which is what makes, you know, any theory a good one. If it's simple, if it's accessible, if we can all hold it in our hands and conceptualize it, hey, we have a shot in hell, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um and so this simplicity, the steps, uh there's it seems like there's two steps with nonviolent communication. There's four. Oh, there's four. There's four steps to it. <laughs> okay. 
I try to I try to simplify I try to simplify it more than more than it was. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like you're right in that that it comes down to you know mindful awareness and right. and compassion towards others. You know, those are those are I'd say like the two tenets of it is that we need to harness the power of our own awareness and we need to harness our capacity for compassion. And mm. I say capacity for compassion because compassion is something uh just like mindful awareness. It's something you have to build a relationship with. Yeah, and what's interesting about those two uh they involve a practice. They involve stretching. They involve uh, an openness uh, which usually is like sometimes uh, swimming up river. I mean, it's something that you have to consciously choose to do in practice. It doesn't kind of, it doesn't come naturally. No, it yeah. doesn't. And it takes a, a, a pretty serious measure of undoing our relationship and our attachment to rightness. Yeah. And, you know, remembering that we all have that evolutionary trait, that evolutionary function, that if I'm wrong, my pain centers will light up you know, and, and very, the direct line of, of that evolutionary trait is in caveman days, if you were wrong, you were probably going to die. <laughs> if you ate right. the wrong berry, if you right. didn't get out of the way of the charging woolly mammoth. And so the, you know, that function is really deep, powerful and hardwired and learning how to sidestep it, um, takes a lot of higher level thinking, but that's what our big, beautiful brains have been designed to do. And this is the direction that we need to head in as a species. Yeah. So let's go over, over the uh, four steps. Um, this is the protein of this episode. So if you want to jot these down, I think they'll be very helpful. Yes. So, you know, step one is probably the hardest, and that is observation without judgment. Yeah. Because I think we're judging, I mean, without even being aware of it. That's what's scary about judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, really specifically what it means to observe without judgment is, is, a, is a fundamental coaching skill. And that's to not assume, but to clarify in its place. Being neutral. Being neutral and, and to get the facts, you know, yeah. to, to get the facts and understand what's really going on. And then... Step two is, you know, working with the self and saying, okay, you know, once I have a clear observation, once I feel that I have clarity, that I do understand what's really going on, what are my true core feelings that emerge from my own observations? Mm. And so this like, involves um, what, validating- like what's coming up. What's yeah, coming like up what, what like what's coming up with for me, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, if if we're looking at you know step one or and step two, um, if somebody's partner uh, just all week long has consistently been coming home late for work, um, an observation without judgment would be my partner keeps coming home late from work. Period. End of story. Right. And what humans do typically is assign a story to that observation. Yeah. Right? My partner's cheating. My partner's with someone else. Doesn't <laughs> care about me. me. Right. Mm -hmm. All, these other things. all yeah. of the things, all of the things. So, you know, step two is, you know, what are my, what are my feelings? So my partner keeps coming home late from work. Um, I feel lonely. I feel right. abandoned. I feel left alone. And then 
step three is where we take responsibility for our feelings by expressing our needs without blaming the other person or attaching a story to it, just simply sticking to the facts, sticking to the feelings, and requesting actions from others in an honest, vulnerable, and non-judgmental way. What would be an example of requesting action from some others or from your partner? Yeah. So if I were going to play this through with the example that I just used, it would be, you know, hey, partner, um, I've noticed that every day this week you've come home late from work. When you come home late from work, I feel lonely. I work from home, so it's hard to be in the house mm -hmm. all day long. And as the evening right. stretches on, you know, I start to feel lonely. Um, I can take ownership for the fact that we both work really hard. It would help me a lot if when you know you're running late, you could shoot me a text message to let me know what to expect so that I have some structure and a sense of what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So as we're thinking about this, it's important to recognize that these steps are in a specific formula. They're a launching pad. And if you're working with nonviolent communication and you're holding very tightly to these steps and you're trying to run them in a row, um, it might distract you from the present moment and get in the way of true and clear communication. So the way mm -hmm. that I just laid those steps out, didn't account for the presence of another human in this exchange, right? <laughs> so it gets, it can get kind of messy. And in the beginning, it's tricky to master the verbal mechanics of nonviolent communication, but eventually you will get the hang of it and you can make it sound very natural. That's often what I do when I empathy map. Um, and then it's important to note that you have a large measure of control, and especially from a coaching perspective, if you're really working through a problem with somebody using this method, it's totally acceptable to pause at any time and say, you know, time out, are, are we actually resolving this issue? Am I on track with this conversation? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, touching base and um, doing this whole process kind of with, with someone it's, you know, I, I feel like a, a lot of uh, number three is where people drop the ball, um, expressing feelings in need. Instead, um, many of us just kind of uh, push, push that down. I mean, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to create um, um, any kind of, uh, you know, conflict or turbulence. And then that can turn into um, resentment, anger, and, and violent, violent communication ultimately. Absolutely. And that's a super important point to highlight is that the expression of feelings and needs requires trust in the interaction and trust in your own ability to communicate your needs. Mm -hmm. And every relationship is different. And it doesn't matter if you're really good at expressing your feelings and needs to one person in your life. If you're starting to do it with new or other people where you've never expressed it before, uh, it's hard. And it yeah. really, it, it, it takes work. My sister has been encouraging me for months um, to talk to my parents about the way that I feel about, you know, a specific issue that's going on. And I am objectively 
highly trained in communication <laughs> and highly right. trained in nonviolent communication. But for 40 years, I haven't had these kinds of conversations with my parents. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah, not, not going to do it. I'm just going to keep the status quo and suffer. And she's like, she's like giving me eye rolls, you know, um, but, but that's real. And so it's important to acknowledge that, you know, even getting vulnerable and beginning to express yourself in different ways um is hard work and i i think it's really hard at work i think this is one of the arenas where this format this structure yeah. for teams can be so very helpful you know there's the a couple pieces that um, are happening here and why it's so hard i think that uh, people don't realize one is um for i mean what you're saying about your your uh, your parents is a great example um the relationship tracks that have been laid, right? Especially with our parents, because we've been with them since birth. And so that relationship dynamic is so ingrained that later as an adult, when, you know, logically we know how to do these things, um, the emotional side, you know, which is always going to overrule and hijack, um, that is the emotional side is tied to the relationship dynamic. So if that relationship dynamic is set up in a way where you're not used to talking about feelings and stuff, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's going to be really hard to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and secondarily, and there's another layer there and we can use, um, we can use these layers to work through each of the steps and really explain them is that it's, is sticking to the facts that we've been so conditioned in our families, in our workspaces, in our societies to posture with feelings or behavior or blame and not simply stick to the facts. Yeah. So, you know, what that looks like is when I hear blank, I feel blank because I need blank. Would you be willing to blank? Right. And and that's the basic sentence formula. So going back to my original example, hey, babe, you know, when you're running late and I don't hear from you, I feel anxious, lonely and isolated because I need communication in order to feel secure. Would you be willing to shoot me a text message when you realize that it's late so that I know when you're coming home? Right. Yep. And now most the what your partner does with that is a whole nother, mm -hmm. you know, that can change the game. <laughs> they can, they can hit, hit the ball back or not, you know? Yeah. So let's run through some other examples. So when we're talking just about step one, about making observations, the goal is to factually communicate what you observe, what you see, hear, remember, uh, free from evaluation. So uh, the correct example is when I hear you raising your voice, that's sensory. Um, when you spent over 60 hours at the office this week, right? Mm -hmm. So taking those two examples, the incorrect way to go about this would say when you become aggressive versus when you raise your voice. Right. Or, because you are, you're not, you're not, you're saying that you are something which yep. is going to create defense. Or when you work too much. Right. The, you, what happens here is you switch over from an observation to a judgment because of the interpretation. Yeah, it's like you are acting like an asshole is very different than you are an asshole. <laughs> That's
that's subjective. Right. Subjective. You know, what are the specific behaviors that that define that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, going into this second subset, I think this is the hardest where you're actually naming your feelings and emotions and needs. So yeah. you're beginning with, you know, I feel. So correct examples of this are, you know, I feel exhausted. I feel frustrated. When you don't greet me at the door, I feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, incorrect examples of this would again be shifting towards a blaming perspective, where if you feel exhausted, you might say to someone, you're wearing me out. Or when you feel frustrated, saying you should know better. That's an opinion. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, this is so important. And I think uh, I think many kind of know this, uh, but they don't actually practice it. It's kind of like us knowing what we need to do to stay healthy and, and uh, you know, eat right exercise. We, we know that logically, but then to actually get our butts into the gym or to put the cupcake down, like, you know, the execution of this is what's really difficult. Absolutely. And then, you know, when we get to the part of expressing our needs, that's when we, we need to get brave. Yeah, because you're naming your need, you know, you're naming your value. Um, And and that's where, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of you open yourself up to pain, rejection, you know, all of those different things. When I was listening to Marshall talk about a time when he was in the Middle East, I I. I'm not sure what country he was in, but um, he was in a room of folks and someone identified him as an American and a man stood up and began yelling at him and said, you know, you're killers. Mm. All of you are killers. And Marshall said to the man, you know, I really think I hear some emotion in your voice. Can you tell me what's behind that? Your bombs have destroyed my village. Your bombs have destroyed my children. And Marshall was able to meet him and empathize with him and say, that's horrible. Can you tell me about your needs? I need peace. I need safety. And being able to bridge the conversation to where the speaker was able to safely state the needs is what changed the game in being able to actually move towards a peaceful process. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think this is so important. Um, If you're listening to this, which you are obviously um, take a, take a note of these four steps and ask yourself what it looks like to kind of go through this process, knowing that it is a practice. Uh, and, And, you know, the other thing you're doing is as you do this, you're slowly um, aligning and changing the dynamic of the relationship you do this with. Yes. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, and and I want to offer a pro tip, um, and and this goes for nonviolent communication, and this really also it's a coaching technique, it's a management technique, and it's a leadership technique that when you point out something that someone is doing that harms or upsets you, um, or is not working for you in some way. Um, it is very, very, very important. I would say essential to ahead of time figure out what kind of behavior you would like re- that replaced with, what you would like to take place instead. 
Because yeah. if you just tell someone they're doing something wrong, well, that's open-ended. It lights up those pain centers. But if you tell someone, this is what happened factually, this is what I felt factually, this is what I need, and here's my request for you to change your behavior, that last piece of making the request is what gives the other person openness, permission, and accessibility to rise to the occasion. Right. The world needs more nonviolent communication. I mean, can you imagine if everyone did this, you know, and how different the world would be? Um, it all starts with you. So uh, this is a great reminder for me as well is to uh, kind of go back to these steps and to, to, to use it as a map when I'm communicating. Yes. And if you, if you have some time and you'd like to pass an absolutely delightful afternoon, um, head over to YouTube and look at Marshall B. Rosenberg. He mm. will delight your soul. Yeah, I will do that as well. Thank you for listening. You're well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to journey.co slash everything to explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a strong community to do it in. We created Journey Coaching to equip you with the tools, training, and community you need to attain your goals. Join Journey Coaching and begin your journey towards personal freedom and a transformative state of growth today. That's J-R-N-I dot C. CO slash everything.